Hi, my name is Dorian, and this is episode number 10 of the Song of the Olive Press, a walk through the book of Philippians. The purpose of this podcast is to reach out and strengthen those followers of Christ who are going through an olive press. They feel as if they have been placed between two great stones and all the oil in their lives is being squeezed out of them. This podcast goes out with a hope and a prayer that God may turn our time in the olive press into a song. Thank you for coming back to my podcast and for joining me in a walk through this garden we call the Book of Philippians. First, let me explain again why I use the term a walk. This is not supposed to be a sermon, but to be like a conversation we would have if we were walking together through a garden. My goal is actually to spark thoughts, that the Holy Spirit may pick them up at different times during your day and expand and take you into places where he wants you to go. This is why I use the term, a walk. I am still thinking a lot about the end of the Gospel according to Luke. In this chapter, Luke 24, It seems to emphasize our dependence on God. Firstly, we need God to open our eyes. In verse 16 we read, But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Speaking of those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Then in verse 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus had to explain it to them. They could not figure it out for themselves. And again in verse 31, Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Also in verse 45, And he opened their understanding, that they might comprehend the scriptures. I especially feel this powerlessness and blindness at the beginning of each podcast. Many people have spoken of the sense of fear one feels when you are sitting in front of a blank page. It's whiteness shining back at you. It's emptiness beckoning you, challenging you. Truly, If God does not open my eyes, this page will remain blank, or even worse, be filled with powerless words. So we need God to open our eyes. But this passage, this ending of the Gospel of Luke, also tells us that we need God for us to use what he has revealed to us. We find this in Luke 24 and 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. 
The Greek language in which our New Testament is written has two words for power. One, exousia, has to do with power in a legal sense. We find it in John 1 and verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the authority, the exousia, to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. The other word is dunamis, which has to do with the power to perform. This is the word in Luke 24 and 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from on high. Until you are endued with the power from on high. For example, I have a driver's license that gives me the legal right the exousia, to drive my car on public roads. But a while ago I had an operation, and for a time afterwards I was not able to drive my car. I had the exousia. I still had my driver's license, but did not have the dunamis. For two months I hobbled to my car, my wife had to help me into it, and she drove. I was dunamis-less. So we need God to both open our eyes and to give us the power to use the revelation he gives. Therefore, it is a terrible thing to have an empty page, but to have a page full of powerless words is far worse. You and I are dependent on Him. I do not know about you, but in going through these verses, I have this constant nagging question concerning verse 16. But their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know Him. To just read the scripture, it sounds like God closed their eyes, so they could not recognize Jesus. Would God do that? Jesus would be right there beside us, but we would not recognize him. That seems to be implied in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. In the valley, he has promised to be with us. But when we are fully aware of his presence, then we would no longer be in the valley. Like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Their experience of the valley, their going through the olive press, ended the moment Jesus revealed himself to them. For them... The moment of light came at the perfect time. But for that to happen, there had to be a time that Jesus walked beside them 
without their knowing it. The effect of this is that Jesus did not end their time in the olive press as quickly as possible. Their time in the olive press ended when the olive press had done its work. Could this mean that valleys, olive presses, and times when we don't feel the presence of God, that they are important to us, even indispensable to us? I think it does. Well, fruit is grown in the valley. And if God is more interested in our being fruitful than our being happy, happy, happy all the time, which is certainly what we would get from John 15, the chapter on abiding. If this is all true, then valleys must come in our lives. But we know, even if we don't feel his presence, he is right there beside us. So we fear no evil. As I was thinking about the possibility that God would take us through a time like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, another thing came to me. It was from secular writing. For a story to grip us, there must be an element of truth in it. In the second book of Susan Collins' Hunger Games trilogy comes this idea. I needed to stop punishing her for something she couldn't help, specifically the crushing depression she fell into after my father's death. Because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. All around us are people who are going through things they are not equipped to deal with. How can we have a powerful message for them unless we have been through the valley, crushed by the great stones of the olive press? To understand the Bible, we need to see the importance of witnesses. Cory Tamboon went through the world with the message. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. The question is why did these words from an old Dutch lady have such power? Was it just because they were true? Or was there more to it? Surely those words are true. But in the hands of Cory, they became a flaming sword because she was there in the deepest pit. She did not speak words of truth, but she bore witness to the words of truth. Those words, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still, were her testimony, not just her theology. I say it again, all around us are people who are going through things they are not equipped to deal with. Do we love them enough to offer ourselves to God, saying, Here I am, Lord. 
apply whatever pressure is necessary to form me into a vessel pleasing to you, that I may not speak words of truth only, but I will bear witness to words of truth, because the words in my mouth are the words that come with me through the olive press. Maybe we're not yet ready to pray those words. That is all right. Through the olive press, God is making us ready. Since next week, we will be leaving Philippians 1, 9-11. I had a few final thoughts to share. I will begin by reading over our passage. Reading from the New King James. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now remember, we are holding in our minds the multitudes around us, facing what they are not equipped to deal with. And they force a question on us. Do we want to speak words of truth to them, or are we willing to go through what it would take to become witnesses to the truth? This fits in very well with what we spoke about in the last podcast. Love is a thing, not a feeling. To a Christian, this is so important, because as I understand it, the New Testament teaches us that it is love that drives our morality, not the law. Paul teaches us that the law pushes us towards Christ, but we cannot fulfill it. And for the state, the law is the basis to judge right and wrong. But for a Christian, love is the basis by which we judge right and wrong. Let me give you an example. If we are going down a road at the speed limit, The police pay no attention to us. I am within the law. I'm doing nothing wrong. But maybe I am so angry at the driver in front of me, I want to murder him. As long as I stay in the speed limit and don't murder the driver in front of me, I am within the law. But I am not within the law of love. If love is a thing and is the driver of our morality, as the Bible teaches us, then the value of what I do not do and what I do is equal before God. And my heart, or the reason I do something or do not do something, becomes even more important. 
When love is driving our morality, it will lead us into two things. Firstly, it will lead us into a life of sacrifice and giving. Remember the prayer we prayed? Lord, apply whatever pressure you need to in my life so that I may become a witness to the truth, that the words you give to me will have the power of testimony behind them. Surely, a prayer like that is much more a life of sacrificial giving than, let's say, whether I put $20 instead of $10 in the collection plate. And secondly, love will lead us into a life of true holiness. If this is not happening, that is love leading us into a life of true holiness, then we are being driven by something other than love, usually something that masquerades as love, like loving ourselves. So I do not speak the truth to somebody so as not to hurt their feelings, because I tell myself I love them. But really, I am only protecting myself. The law seems most interested in how much I put in the collection plate in relation to how much I'm keeping in my pocket. Love focuses on what is the true prayers and desires of my heart. I promise we will be going further into our garden next week. Until then, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. If you think of anyone who would be blessed by this podcast, please send it on with prayer. God willing, I will post a new podcast on this Wednesday. Thank you, and God bless you.